want to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 1. It's on page 911. Romans chapter 1, we'll read verse 1 up to 17. I had originally said verse 10, but I want to read through verse 17. Our main theme this morning is that the gospel is God's power to change the world. So Romans chapter 1, beginning at verse 1, it says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised before, beforehand through his prophets and the holy scriptures regarding his son, who as to his earthly life was a descendant of David and who through the spirit of holiness was appointed the son of God in power by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we received grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith for his name's sake. And you also are among those Gentiles who are called to believe, to belong, sorry, you, <clears throat> verse 6, and you also are among those Gentiles who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be his holy people, grace and peace to you from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. God, whom I serve in my spirit in preaching the gospel of his Son, is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. And I pray that now at last, by God's will, the way may be opened for me to come to you. I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I have planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Here ends the reading of God's word. So the next couple of weeks, we're talking about changing the world. You know, I think that's one thing we can all agree on, that the world needs changing. The governments of the earth have gotten together and agreed that the world needs changing, so they formed the United Nations. There's about 44,000 people working within the United Nations. Last year, their budget was $5.4 billion to try to change the world. But it's not only the governments of the earth. Even private citizens have recognized the world needs changing. 
in Africa alone, NGOs, uh, foreign NGOs. So these, these organizations that work to provide clean drinking water and try to help with famine relief and try to empower people to grow uh, more nutritious and higher quantities of food. They work trying to improve education and sponsor children and issues of injustice and try to improve medical care. These, these foreign NGOs in Africa alone have, uh, last year annually, they, they spend about $50 billion. And it's not only in Africa. Of the world's 10 million NGOs, 2 million are at work in India. So many, in fact, that there's another NGO for every 600 people in India. And it's not only those faraway places like Africa and India, but even right here in the U.S., even right here in our own country, people recognize there needs to be a change. The world needs changing. There's 1.5 million nonprofit organizations actively working in the U.S. Together, their annual budget is about $2 trillion. Nearly 10% of our nation's wages and salaries are in this nonprofit sector. That's on top of the government's budget of another $1.1 trillion toward welfare and helping people in need. It seems as if everyone can agree the world needs changing. And yet, despite all of that money, all of the, the human effort and human ingenuity that it represents, the world is still in its current condition, still in need of change. But in our text this morning in verse 16, we see God's plan to change the world. Paul says in verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it, the gospel, is the power of God for salvation. The gospel is the power of God to change the world. This gospel is the power. The Greek word there is, is dunamis. You can kind of hear our word dynamite comes from the same root. It, the gospel itself has, has a power to bring about an abrupt, sudden, altering, even violent change to the world and the lives of people. One Bible dictionary defined that word this way. It's the power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. Just this gospel, by, by virtue of its nature, has the power to disrupt in a positive way life and bring about a change. And that nature, that, that nature of the gospel is centered in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. Back in verse 2 up to verse 4, it says, This is the gospel, the good news that God had promised beforehand. God had been working, preparing the world, making predictions through his prophets, pointing people to his son, Jesus. Verse 3, who, who as to his earthly life, was a descendant of David. This was a human being. Jesus. He, he was God the Son, and yet he became a person so he could represent us at the cross, so he could take the punishment for our sin. Verse 4 mentions his death, but more than that, it mentions his resurrection. Yes, he died to forgive our sin, but more than that, he was raised to new life again, so that we also can have an abundant eternal life. This gospel is about Jesus Christ. And this gospel demands a response. We need to respond by faith. At the end of verse 5, it talks about the obedience that comes from faith. 
The, the, when you hear this message of Jesus, you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. In verse 17, it talks about the righteousness that comes from faith. Yes, we receive the righteousness of Christ, and, and it leads to a more righteous life in the way we live. But we need to begin by putting our faith in Jesus. And so if you're here this morning and you're hearing this gospel and you know in your heart, yeah, I've heard it before, but I've never, I've never put my personal trust in Jesus, I want to urge you to do that this morning before you leave. And if you've got questions about it, I'm happy to talk with you after the service. But this gospel doesn't end at that point. This faith that we, we put in Christ, it produces a change. It produces a righteousness. It, it leads to an obedience, as it mentions in verse 5. I, I told you about the inmate whose life has changed as this gospel has taken root in his heart. There's a, another young lady in our church. She's a single mom. She wasn't married. She got pregnant. Now she has a little girl she shared with Mandy, she wrote her a letter before we came back, that, you know, my life was meaningless. I felt purposeless. I had no hope. And yet, when I learned what Jesus had done for me, and I learned who I am in Christ, now I have purpose, now I have value, now I have hope. This gospel changed her heart, but it's also changed her life. There's a visible difference in the life of this girl. We need to get back to the centrality of Christ. We do a lot of good things as a church, but we need to recognize the power to change the world is in the person and work of Jesus Christ and in our proclamation of this gospel. This gospel is not only forgiveness for sinful people, but it's the hope, it's the purpose, it's the meaning, it's the significance, the acceptance that comes with receiving the life that Jesus gives. And the life is not only eternal life that we get after we die, but it's abundant life that we receive today. And it kind of goes without saying, and yet we do need to mention it, that this gospel is intended for the whole world. It's not just for us. It's meant for the whole world. In verse 5 again, God said, Through him, through Christ, we receive grace and apostleship to call all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. To call people from every nation on earth to the faith that will change their lives. In verse 8, it says, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. The faith of the Roman church. It was known around the world because the church was active around the known world, right? This gospel was intended to go to all the nations. Verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, but also for the Gentiles, for the people of the nations. And this, this, this idea that the gospel is meant for everyone is throughout the Bible. We know famous verses, John 3, verse 16, for God so loved the world, right? The whole world, that everyone in the whole world who believes will not perish but have eternal life. Matthew 28, the Great Commission, Jesus said, all authority has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, the Greek word there is all ethne. You can hear the word ethnic there, of every ethnic group. This gospel was meant for all nations. 
In Brent's prayer, we heard all the references to the nations in Psalm 96. In Psalm, 9, or, yeah, Psalm 2, a psalm about the anointed one of the Lord, about Christ himself. It says in verse 8, Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. At Christmas time, we remember the Magi who came from a distant nation to come and, and witness and worship the Savior who had come. The crucifixion of Jesus Christ in, in Psalm 22 It says all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. All the families of the nations will bow down before him. At the Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out in Acts chapter 2, 15 nations were present the first time this gospel was proclaimed. This gospel to change the world, the power of God to bring change, was meant for every nation. And Paul would agree at the end of the book of Romans, he explains why the Bible was given to us. Romans 16, verses 25 and 26, it says, Now to him who is able to establish you by my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God. I mean, it's a little bit wordy, I acknowledge that, but he's saying this message that's proclaimed by the apostles and the prophets, right? The Old and the New Testament, this message of the Bible, why was it given to us? At the end of verse 26, it says, so that all Gentiles, all the nations might come to the obedience that comes from faith. This gospel is the power of God to change the whole world. And yet in chapter 10, Paul recognizes a problem. In chapter 10, verse 13, he says, everyone in the whole world who calls on the name of the Lord is going to be saved. But then in 10, verse 14, he says, but how are they going to call on the one whom they have not believed in. And how are they going to believe unless they hear? And how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them? Unless someone proclaims this good news to them, how are they ever going to hear? Joshuaproject.org. It's a great website. I shares a name. I had nothing to do with it, though. Joshuaproject.org. It gives a picture of the different ethnic groups of the world and how much they're exposed to the gospel. I invite you to go to that website. But you can see there nearly one-third of the ethnic groups in the world are still unreached with this good news that we take for granted. Over two billion people will be born They'll, they'll go through their day-to-day. They'll go through their week, their month, their year. They'll go through their life without ever hearing this gospel. Because there's no one in their language group, no one in their community to tell them what Jesus Christ did for them. How are they going to believe unless they hear and how are they going to hear unless someone preaches to them unless someone speaks the message of Jesus Christ to them 
You know, so often after Mandy and I share in a church like this, we're, we're visiting with people out back, and someone will say to one of us, especially to Mandy, who's, who has struggled so much in Africa, wow, I really admire your calling. I, I admire your faithfulness to your calling, but for me, I just don't have that calling. Friends, I, it's my goal this morning from Romans chapter 1 to show you If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you have that calling. If you're someone that has received salvation, you have that calling. Romans chapter 1, verse 1, look at how Paul looks at himself. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, right? I'm a servant, bond servant. I'm a slave of Christ Jesus. means Jesus calls the shots, I need to obey. Called to be an apostle. Called to be someone that's been commissioned and sent out on a mission. Given a, right, a command, go and do this. It says, and set apart for the gospel of God. Someone that's been pulled out of normal life and dedicated to something else. In this case, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's Paul. Verse 5, through him we... Okay, that we is not talking about Paul and Timothy and Josh and Mandy. That we is talking about all of us. Through him we have received grace, right? We have received through faith. We have received forgiveness of our sins. We have received new life. We have received the promise of eternal life. Through him we have received grace and apostleship. A commissioning, a sending out. Through him, in the same act of faith that we receive our salvation, we also receive our commissioning. We need to wrap our brain around that. There's... There's a team that often comes from Kelvin Christian. They come to visit us. I mentioned them earlier. It's been a great experience for us, and I hope for them as well. But there was a parent of one of the students one year said to me, yeah, my my child wants to come to that trip, but we'll have to pray if it's God's will or not. Right? This same family, every year at spring break, they take a nine-day trip to the ocean. I don't know if they ever pray if that's God's will. I think people just assume that's a given. But now they had to pray, is it God's will that my daughter would go around the world to learn about God's worldwide kingdom? Friends, it is God's will. It says, we all have received grace and apostleship. Verse 6, and you also. Right, it's hard in our proper English to understand what the verse is saying, but let's think Texas for a minute, and it really ought to read, and all of y'all also, right? I mean, it's a plural you, okay? Your laughter shows me you're getting it, right? And you all also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome, to all in Granville, to all at Ivanrest who are loved by God and called to be his holy people. 
The word holy means set apart, just like Paul described himself in verse 1. We've received apostleship, and now we're holy, we're set apart, we're picked out of the normal and dedicated to something else, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are those whom God has chosen to make this power of God to change the world known to the people around the world. How are they going to hear unless someone shares that message with them? In verse 13, there's a jewel hidden there. It says, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. In order that just... I'm sorry, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. At you know, first glance you read that verse and you say, okay, Paul meant to go to Rome and it didn't work out, so what? But but buried in the second part of that verse, I wish I had been there so that I could have had a harvest among you. Right? Paul has the, the understanding and the anticipation that if I had gone to Rome people would have come to Christ. Because we sang about it just a minute ago, the fields are ripe for the harvest. The Spirit of God has been preparing the nations of the earth to hear this message. And Paul knows he was going to proclaim that message, and so he just knew if I had gone, people would have come to Christ. And he says, therefore, in verse 15, that's why I'm eager to preach the gospel to you. Because whether I go to Rome or to Colossae or to Ephesus or wherever I go, people are going to come to Christ. And we need to wrap ourselves around that too. To say whether I go to Cabela's or Cancun, somebody there is going to hear the gospel and there's a pretty good chance they're going to come to Christ because God's spirit is already working there. Whether I go to Russ's or to Rwanda, I'm going to share the gospel and somebody's going to come to Christ. There's a good chance because God's spirit is already at work there. There's a friend of ours named Martin in Uganda. He's, he, he lives this, right? He takes advantage of me sometime because I'm white and I stand out. And, and, and we went to visit an older couple one time right next to a school. And it was recess time, and kids there are not supervised. And, and when you get to someone's home, you sit outside. So we went to visit these, these older people and sat outside their home, and all these school kids are like, hey, there's a vehicle. We haven't seen one for a few weeks. So they come a little closer, and there's a white guy. We haven't seen one of them for a long time. So all of a sudden, we have Martin and I and two older people and 150 school kids. And Martin just kind of winks at me like, hey, it worked. You gathered a crowd. Let's share the gospel with these school kids, right? And he shares the message of Jesus. And that day, five kids give their life to Jesus Christ. Another day, we went to visit a, a, a town called Katakui, and we were hungry, so we went to the local restaurant. And, you know, they had to borrow chairs from the neighbors, so we had a place to sit, um, it's not a restaurant like you're envisioning, okay? And one thing on the menu that day, so yeah, bring it out. And as the, the lady brings out the food, she sets it there before us. Martin engages her in conversation. Yeah, how are you? What's your name? Where are you from? Are you married here? Do you know who Jesus is? Right? Just as natural as can be. Because Martin understands this message is the power of God to change the lives of people. 
200 years ago, there was a man named William Carey. William Carey is uh, he's known as the father of modern missions. He, he had a shoe repair shop, and there on the walls of his shoe store, he had maps of the world, and he had his Bible open, and he's reflecting on these verses and on the Great Commission, and he comes to the conclusion that God wants all of us to be involved in reaching the nations of the earth. And so he writes a, a paper suggesting that we need to use strategies to reach the nations of the earth. And the church of his day rebuked him and said, if God wants to reach the heathen, that's what they called him in that day, he doesn't need your help. Now it's ironic that in our day, 200 years later, our seminaries and our Bible schools and most of our churches will preach and teach that the Great Commission is for all of us. That the work of sharing the gospel to the nations is for all of us. And yet for most of us, we have the same attitude that they had 200 years ago. That God doesn't need to use me. But God has given us, through Christ, grace and apostleship. And the same gift in which he gave us his love, he set us aside for the purpose of sharing this message with the nations. And it's not only through preaching, but we also need as families, as homes, as churches to be actively engaged in prayer for the nations of the earth. Verse 9, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son. Actually, the word preaching is not there in the Greek. Okay, Bible translation is a difficult thing and, and they tried to portray the meaning of the verse and this passage is about preaching the gospel and so they put the word preaching in but I want you to see it the way Paul wrote it. God whom I serve in my whole heart or with my spirit in the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Right? Paul served God in preaching but he also served God in prayer for the Romans, and for the other people. In Colossians chapter 2, verse 1, he said, I want you to know how hard I'm working for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who I've never even met. Right? In prayer. There's a great book called Window to the World. It's written by a lady named Jill Johnston. Window to the world. Every page is a different profile of a country or an ethnic group around the world. It, it's, it's a well-put-together book. The pictures are engaging. Our kids love it. And I encourage you to find a resource, something like that, so that in your daily life, in your home, you can be actively, consistently, intentionally praying for the nations of the earth. And as you do that, I invite you to open up your heart to God and say, Lord, I know I can't go to all 195 countries in the world, but show me the one you have for me. And then instead of saving your money for a hunting trip to Kansas, begin to save your money for a trip to Kazakhstan to preach God's word there. Instead of saving your money for a second honeymoon to the Bahamas, save your money 
to go to some far off place you never wanted to go to in order to share this message this, to change the world. Because this is the power of God to change the world. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we are so thankful that we received your grace and your love and we've tried so hard to sidestep the apostleship. Lord, you've put us into situations here in Michigan surrounded by people who don't know you and we have been silent and simply made small talk. Lord, we sing your praises on Sunday and then shut our mouths to your message on Monday. We don't want to offend. We use that as an excuse. And yet, Lord, this is the greatest message that anyone could ever hear. Forgive us. Lord, right now, we give ourselves to you. As you sit there, I want to encourage you, you, you go ahead and kneel, you go ahead and stand, you, whatever you want to do. Offer yourself to Christ to get on board. Recognizing you have received apostleship, you're sent forth, you're commissioned, and you're set apart for this gospel. That this good news for the salvation of every nation is yours to share. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to stand to sing.